Welcome to Tech Talk. Bye. CDT. Welcome to CDT's Tech Talk, where we dish on tech and internet policy while also explaining what these policies mean to our daily lives. I'm Brian Wozlowski, and it's time to talk tech. Today we bring you a preview of the upcoming European Parliament elections. The European Union is driving a lot of tech policy globally, and these elections have the potential to change the current dynamics. After that, we make a joyously geeky turn and introduce you to Jamie Broadnax. Jamie is the founder of Black Girl Nerds and shares with us why she created the online community, how she manages it, and why representation matters so much in fandom. The European Parliament is holding elections May 23rd to 26th, and only 30% of current members are standing for re-election. The European Union has been driving a lot of change in tech and internet policy worldwide, so these elections have the potential to shake up things even more. Two members of our Brussels-based team are with us here in Washington today to give us a preview of what to watch for in these elections. I'm joined by Jens Henrik Jeppesen and Vincenzo Tiani. Welcome, Jens and Vincenzo. Thank you. Thank you. Are you enjoying your DC visit so far? Very much. We've given you bright sunshine yet again. It seems to be the way it goes. No, actually, that's not true. You come in December a lot, too, so that's usually miserable. Anyway, elections. Tell us a bit about the upcoming European Parliament elections. How do they work for people who aren't familiar? How many members are there? Give us all that stuff. Right. So the elections are held uh, in the 28 different member states uh, according to their own uh, rules and regulations. So the processes will differ from uh, 28 state. different processes. Exactly, huh? <laughs> exactly. That is what uh, what will happen. Um, 751 members, uh, as you said, uh, only 30 percent of incumbent MEPs are expected to uh, run again. Um, so there could be a lot of change this time around. Um, a lot of new parties on the political fringes uh, have come to the fore in several countries. Uh, We have uh, uh, a collection of populist slash EU skeptical uh, parties on the right, also on the left. Um, And that, this new dynamic interjects a lot of uncertainty uh, about the outcome. So uh, one thing seems to be pretty clear, and that is that the um, the traditional leaders uh, of uh, of the parliament. So those are the those are the big groups: the conservative EPP group and the social democratic SND group uh, are likely to lose their absolute majority. So okay. in the in the current parliament, they uh, if they could all vote together, they'd be able to uh, to run the vote. Uh, in in Parliament and that looks set to change although how exactly it'll change we don't know so there might be some interesting coalitions we see forming to get things done if anything gets done that's correct Uh, there will be a uh, a a new and stronger need for um, uh, creating coalitions uh, based on on different issues and just to be kind of dumb is the UK still part of well, of these elections, <laughs> that is that is by no means a dumb question. Okay, uh, I mean, you would be uh, it would be logical to, to to think that the UK does not participate 
But because of the lack of progress in, in, in Brexit, uh, the UK is running elections to the European Parliament. It'd be intriguing to see who would stand for elections in that. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing is that actually, uh, so UK will join the election, uh, but uh, at the moment, at least the 31st of October, they will leave the EU. So there will be sort of 70 seats uh, wow. that will be redistributed by among the, the other member states. So at the moment, at the moment, uh, every member state is going to elect like their number of uh, of um, of member of the parliament plus like two or three uh, these <laughs> bonus two or three, ones. <laughs> yeah. So these two or three it depends, of course, from uh, how many uh, seats they have uh, are going to replace the the UK colleagues. Fascinating. And uh, um. the 31st October is also the last day uh, of uh, the Juncker presidency, which is uh, Junc um, Jean-Claude Juncker is uh, the, um, the commission, the president of the European Commission. So it's really us, uh, the, the Prime Minister Theresa May, uh, Prime Minister of the UK, to to have the the job done uh, the job done uh, before that date. Well, that is definitely one to follow, and not something we're going to talk about on this episode because we would not finish it. Um, so let's let's is tech something you know as we kind of project forward with the new parliament. Are any of the issues at CDT or tech policy issues ones that are likely to rise to the very top of the agenda? Yes and no. I, I, it, I think at the very highest political level, um, th there are broad political problems such as uh, migration and uh, economic reform, uh, reform of the Eurozone. Uh, those are probably issues that dwarf all others. Sure. Uh, those are huge challenges for the European system as a whole, uh, finding solutions to problems there. Um, and uh, it is by no means given that the system will be able to uh, identify uh, the right solutions uh, to these problems. It is really, really difficult. And the, let's say, the, this expected new composition of the parliament is not going to help, that's for sure. Because you have kind of more fringe perspectives, you know, not necessarily the moderate that, voices. That that is uh, that is uh, fair to expect that. Um, so, in the tech uh, policy area, um, clearly AI is going to be a big theme. Uh, there's uh, many many debates uh, uh, on all facets of this uh, of this technological revolution. Um, so Europe is. I think European policymakers are conscious that Europe is not technologically in the lead. Uh, the U.S. and China uh, are running uh, AI. Um, that is certainly the, the, the perception that people have. Uh, Europe, I think, would like to set itself up as the third way and uh, the, the, let's say, the, the block that creates a durable regulatory framework for AI. So that's, I think that's, the, that's what EU policymakers would, would like to try and do. Okay. What other kind of issues? I mean, certainly the EU grabbed major headlines last year with GDPR and kind of the regulation of 
you know, big tech, for lack of a better word. Are there things that uh, the new parliament's going to have to wrap up that they'll focus on or other tech issues beyond AI that you think, you know, well, maybe not the top of the agenda will emerge? Yeah, yeah so uh, a couple of pieces uh, uh, left for, for, for the system to work through, leftovers from the, from the previous mandate. Uh, one is uh, legislation on electronic evidence. So uh, this is legislation that would provide uh, for uh, law enforcement authorities in one member state to uh, demand or to request uh, data for investigations uh, directly from uh, communications providers in other countries. Uh, this is a piece of legislation that CDT has been quite heavily engaged in uh, working on. It is a leftover, and it will be uh, uh, for the new commission and and parliament to to finalize uh, and and council, of course, member states to finalize uh, this this regulation, this piece of, of legislation. Similarly, um, e privacy, uh, mm. uh, the e privacy regulation has been stuck in uh, negotiations among member states for a long time. Um, uh, this uh, we would expect it to to dislodge sometime in in the new mandate, um, and and then Parliament and Council will have to find uh, compromise uh, uh, on that on that issue. And just for a U.S. listener, uh, so last year we had the GDPR, which is the General Data Protection Regulation that protects uh, data. Um, the e-privacy uh, protects the, the content of the, of the okay. communication because otherwise you, people would think of another privacy law. <laughs> and the, another piece of legislation which is still in uh, running b among uh, between the two uh, legislators uh, is the terrorist content uh, regulation. Um, so basically uh, in Europe, but I would say that across uh, all over the world, there is there are many discussion on how to regulate the content on especially on social media but also on platforms like YouTube uh, especially when uh, the the main issue is uh, when people start to upload uh, terrorist content um, we've seen uh, what happened in New Zealand uh, right this week um, in Paris uh, there is a meeting among uh, Emmanuel Macron and also the, uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand talking uh, with uh, leaders of top tech uh, giants like mm -hmm. Twitter, uh, Microsoft, Facebook on how to better regulate uh, content. So uh, the terrorist content regulation at the moment, uh, uh, a month ago, was approved by the European Parliament. Uh, so um, that means that uh, with the next uh, European Parliament, uh, the trilogue will start. The trilogue is the the discussion among the European Council, uh, which is the European institution uh, lead by uh, the, um, the leader of the, the, the head of state and of government of the 28 uh, member states, mm -hmm. uh, the European Commission uh, and the European Parliament. Uh, so what uh, the European Parliament uh, changed uh, a bit um, the proposal of the European Commission, saying that um, once uh, that only an, an, an independent authority or a judicial authority can uh, issue an order of removal to, uh, to a social media or to a content provider. Uh, what, uh, what changed with the European Parliament is that, um, for example, cloud provider and also um, private communication provider like Messenger, WhatsApp mm -hmm. uh, or any, 
any kind of that uh, are exempted so uh, you, you can't you know uh, see what people are saying in their private chat and uh, um, there is exemption for journalists for a researcher so if a journalist let's say published uh, something some content uh, denouncing uh, terrorist uh, some um, something related to terrorist won't be uh, removed so we can say there's still one issue we as a CDT we don't like the fact that uh, the platforms have just one hour after wow. the, yeah to remove uh, the content and even if it can be uh, feasible for uh, for a major platforms it won't be for a small medium enterprise a startup because if the order arrives in the middle of the night uh, and normally you know <laughs> startup people do work, need to sleep yeah. a little bit right so, uh, <laughs> that's one of the, our main concern yeah that makes sense so obviously whole bunch of new members of parliament going to be in there uh, potentially it sounds like hundreds of new members uh, they're all going to want to come chat with CDT Europe right um, what should they come talk to you about what are the issues that you think they should be asking you about in addition to the priorities that it seems like they have so it seems that uh, an overriding uh, priority is going to be uh, social media content regulation broadly speaking um, this was already a big theme for the previous commission and the, so the DSM copyright directive the terrorist content regulation were both part of that picture um, now what we are seeing is um, uh, 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 initiatives uh, first from the UK uh, then from France uh, about fundamentally changing the way social media is governed uh, the way uh, content is regulated um, and that will result probably in renegotiation of uh, the e-commerce directive. Oh, wow. So this is the piece of legislation that has underpinned uh, uh, internet hosting um, since 2000, basically. Uh, the principle that uh, a, a company can host third-party content without assuming uh, liability for uh, the legality of that content, provided that uh, the company takes uh, action when notified about illegality. That has been the principle. Um, we fully expect that this uh, legislation will be reopened and reviewed and that a new p paradigm uh, is going to be found. Wow. So, uh, and we see the contours of uh, uh, what policymakers are looking for. We see that already now from the, from the UK uh, uh, initiative and the French initiative. Um, broadly speaking, uh, 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 policymakers are looking for uh, regulatory authority, uh, uh, being able to provide oversight and accountability of uh, social media platforms. Um, so this goes above and beyond the self-regulatory measures yeah. and, the, and the content moderation that each of the platforms are doing on their own. Uh, this is no longer sufficient uh, according to I think a very broad political consensus so we will be engaged in this debate and we will be um, we will continue to advocate solutions that enable uh, 
uh, innovation, free expression, and access to internet in, uh, to information um, uh, for as many people as possible. Yeah, it sounds like uh, the type of policy or the, that Europe is maybe a few steps ahead of trying to address this challenge than in the U.S. where we're not quite there yet. Is that accurate, or could this be kind of the next gift of like a GDPR style? Here's a solution uh, from Europe. Yeah, I think it's certainly true that um, the U.S. First Amendment sets sure. quite Absolutely. strict limitations on what government can do in terms of, of uh, restricting online, well, spe- online speech or offline, mm-hmm. uh, for that matter. Uh, the so free free expression is also constitutionally guaranteed in in Europe and in you know and and other uh, democratic countries. Uh, uh, but there are more uh, options for regulators, to, for policymakers to curtail various forms of speech. And that I think we are going to see play out in, well, now we mentioned uh, UK and France. Uh, we, it, this will play out at the European level as well. Fascinating. Well, that is definitely one to watch. We'll be watching the results next week. Uh, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you here in D.C., Jens and Vincenzo. Thank, thank you. you. Back in 2012, Jamie Broadnax Googled, quote, black girls nerd, end quote, and nothing came up. Google those words today, and I promise you her website, blackgirlnerds.com, will come up, and it's absolutely loaded with incredible geeky entertainment content. Jamie created a thriving online community, and she spoke about that at our Future of Speech Online event back in December. And today, she joins us on Tech Talk to talk more about Black Girl Nerds. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Brian. This is great. I mean, I am beyond honored. As you know, you were one of my very favorite people at the event. So lucky to have you there. So seriously, when you started this, you Googled Black Girl Nerds and nothing came up? Yeah, I Googled the term Black Girl Nerds. And, uh, you know, the only images that did, in fact, come up were, this was in the Google Images section of the search, was white women wearing glasses with black frames. Oh, my God. <laughs> that seems not great. So, all right, beyond that, tell us, you know, why you founded this organization and this online community. It, it, was, it started for selfish reasons, I'll be honest. I, I wanted to see myself reflected in the fandoms that I love. I had seen so many websites out there that was dedicated to fandom and pop culture entertainment with respect to comics and gaming and cosplay and all of these great things. But usually it was a bunch of white dudes, and the few websites that were for women were for white women, and I just didn't see many women of color represented, so I wanted to create just a blog, like just me and my personal musings about it, and I had no idea that this was obviously um, a void that really needed to be filled among so many other people. I just thought, well, maybe it's just me that sees these things. But so many women started to gravitate naturally to the site, and it built into this huge online community that was far than what I could have ever expected. That's so amazing. For those of you, of our listeners who aren't familiar, what is, if you can try to, what is fandom? I know, because I'm a little bit geeky. Not not to your level, but uh, <laughs> just to, what what is it? I think 
fandom is an elusive term. I think it can mean different things to different people. For me, fandom is someone who is like hardcore into a certain hobby or activity or event. So someone who is a Trekkie that loves to go to all the Star Trek conventions and knows every single iteration of the Star Trek series and universe, that is someone that is in the Star Trek fandom. And there is a community of people around it and they're able to celebrate it in different ways. Um, so fandom really is cultivated around communities mm -hmm. that are interested in like-minded activities, events, um, the things in publishing like comic books, things in the tech space like gaming, um, and even in the academic space, people that are into the sciences and, and um, STEM jobs and things like that. I feel like that there's different fandoms in, in those areas as well. So. That's how I see fandom. That's very helpful. I love how all-encompassing that definition is as well. So kind of back to your, uh, your world, why is it so important for, you know, specifically women of color to be, I think, as you said, out and proud with their geekiness? You didn't say it in the podcast, but in some of your writings. Absolutely. That's a great question. I think it's really important because, as I mentioned before, these fandoms historically have always been predominantly um, represented by, or you know, at least media depicted white males as being sort of the gatekeepers, if you will, of these different fandoms, and that you know anybody that wasn't white or male would be disqualified or discounted as someone who is someone that is, I don't know, qualified. I guess you could say to know about the history of the X-Men or to know about gaming and be a successful YouTuber um, that plays games on there. So I think that it's important that women of color see themselves that way so they feel confident enough to create their own spaces, much of like what I've done with Black Girl Nerds, and to be able to cultivate these communities so that way there are safe spaces where these women can celebrate these kind of fandoms and that this narrative that this one specific demographic is not the end-all be-all when it comes to representing these fandoms, that it's a very inclusive community. It represents all different kinds of people. And just because you are of a certain nationality or a certain gender doesn't mean that you too can't be into these kinds of fandoms. That's awesome. So tell me a bit about, you know, kind of the steps that you took in, you know, building your site, creating your community. You know, you said you started it kind of as a blog. How did you grow it into what it is today? It's such an active and engaged place. Well, I started with um, the website and just putting out content as often as I could. And, and luckily, a lot of women that saw the site were interested in contributing their words to what was being said on online. But then I went and created social media accounts for the, the site, because that's what you do when you want to try to promote your <laughs> Absolutely. <blog. laughs> and on Twitter, that's where the online community started to grow exponentially. And it started with me just live tweeting TV shows. Scandal was the very first TV show that I live tweeted. And um, sort of just the culture of live tweeting really began with uh, those earlier shows and seeing the cast members and Shonda Rhimes herself tweeting along with fans. Uh, that just was something that helped build our brand. 
Um, and that's kind of how it grew is just this engagement. And I did something kind of unique to what other blog sites that have social media accounts did with their uh, social media networks is I just engage directly with the fans and with the followers specifically. So when we would be live tweeting shows, I would leave my comments and then I'd retweet them and then I would comment back to them. And having a social media account with so many followers and seeing that, you know, this one person is getting that kind of engagement, that's what really, you know, allowed this audience to just really grow and really love and engage with um, the social media uh, Twitter handle. And, and, and that's how I was just able to get my audience to grow. Very cool. That's impressive. So let's talk about the content a bit. Let's say someone comes to your site. What are the topics you cover, you and your contributors cover? Oh, yeah, we cover everything. We're, we're a pop culture site, so we mostly cover a lot of movies. So we do movie reviews. We're actually a Rotten Tomatoes certified outlet. Oh, so cool. Yeah, it's really great that Rotten Tomatoes have been very inclusive in bringing in a lot more websites for that are led by women of color. Um, but, yeah, we are a part of Rotten Tomatoes, so we put out movie reviews. We put out television reviews. We also do comic book reviews. Uh, we have a journalist that's a gamer. She not only puts out reviews, but she's started doing gameplay on our YouTube channel. Wow. Getting a lot of recent engagement here. Um, and then there's a lot of op-ed pieces, just opinions on different things from social justice issues to things that are happening in our politics. So we... we try to kind of cover all bases um, because I, I want this to be a website that not only where we talk about the fun entertainment pop culture stuff but people can have a space to express themselves in a way that they probably couldn't do writing for you know another outlet so that's that's kind of what we do that's very cool so what are you know some of the TV shows or movies that you personally are geeking out about the most right now I mean you mentioned starting with scandal and your live tweeting what are the ones that you are most into at the moment well as far as movies go it is all about Avengers Endgame yes (laughs) (laughs) Avengers Endgame is just the focus um, of all things right now in the movie um, fandom. Um, Also, we just came back from, I didn't get to go, but I had a colleague of mine lives in Chicago. She just wrapped up the Star Wars celebration. Wow. So that was really exciting to see the new Rise of the Skywalker teaser trailer and getting an opportunity to see all of these new toys and seeing all of these actors that are going to be appearing in these upcoming projects, video game projects and such. So she was able to cover that for Black Girl Nerds, and we, we have some content on the site about that if you guys want to check it out. But, yeah, it's, it's all about just, you know, what's happening with um, Avengers and Star Wars coming up later this year, and I, I, I'm just really excited. Oh, and, of course, of course, on television, Game of Thrones. Oh, of course. Yeah, I was wondering. I'm like, she's, she's not missing that one, is she? <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Game of Thrones. I just wrapped up my own um, podcast about uh, Game of Thrones. We're doing a recap show. So oh, helpful. Yes, yeah. no spoilers, of course. I will just say that I am Team Cersei, which I know is very controversial. So, You know, that's okay. I, I don't <laughs> care for her, but I have a lot of respect. <laughs> For her, you know, she yes. knows how to play the game. Yep. 
It's more. It's more of a gamemanship. I. I think she'll have her. She'll get her due um, at some point. But I do find her to be a fascinating character to pay attention to. Um, <laughs> so you also have things you do beyond Black Girl Nerds. Uh, you're active, of course, independently in film and media, and you have your own podcast, I believe. Want to share some of the yeah. other things you're working on? So yeah, outside of Black Girl Nerds and the podcast, I've been really trying to create um, Black Girl Nerds into a media company. So most of what I've been doing behind the scenes is just building the structure internally uh, with our company, with writers, um, with myself as, as CEO, and, and wanting this to become something that's sustainable, that lasts a long time building these partnerships with uh, different media brands. I also am a social media influencer, so every now and then I'll go to an event and talk about this tech product here or um, this movie event here and host a panel uh, and then be able to provide insight to our followers and fans um, from different kinds of advertisers and brand content creators within the community. Uh, so that that is what I'm working on right now. And um, I, I'm just really excited for other events that we have happening. We every year cover different film festivals and comic cons. So of course we'll be doing San Diego Comic Con this summer. And I also attend uh, film festivals such as Toronto and next year Sundance. Um, and um, I'm also a part of the Broadcast Film Critics uh, oh, wow. organization. Yeah, yeah. So that that actually happened earlier uh, last year, which was an exciting opportunity. So every January, they uh, invite all of their uh, members to go to the Critics' Choice Awards. So I'll be going to the Critics' Choice wow. Awards in January. So very fun. That's so cool. Well, and so amazing what you're trying to do in building that company. No doubt you are incredibly busy. So we are so grateful that you made the time to share all of this with us on Tech Talk, Jamie. And everyone, any any promos or shout outs you want to do before I let you go? Things that people should go to? Obviously, your website. Anywhere else? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Go to blackgirlnerds.com. And we have a podcast every week now we are doing recaps of Game of Thrones so if you are a Game of Thrones fan listen to that you can hear it on iTunes or wherever you stream podcasts where we're all on all of the streams and 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 that's it and we'll just stay tuned for some new things that are coming up on the horizon most of that will be announced on our social media handles so it's at Black Girl Nerds on Twitter as well as at Black Girl Nerds on Instagram and you can also find us on Facebook I love it. Well, congratulations. This is so exciting. And thanks for being a guest. We'll have to stay in touch and check in once you launch all the big things. Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. This is a great conversation. That's it for this episode of Tech Talk. If you want to learn more about our advocacy efforts in the EU, be sure to visit cdt.org. Our EU team also has a really incredible Twitter account, at CDTEU. Give them a follow. And of course, be sure to check out Black Girls Nerd at blackgirlsnerd.com. They also have a really awesome Twitter account you should follow. I'm Brian Wozolowski. Thanks so much for listening.